Welcome to Master Your Money, the podcast that teaches you how to take control of your hard-earned money all while living your best life. I am your host, Elizabeth Heiser, Chief Marketing Officer at the Barnum Financial Group. I once felt powerless when it came to managing my finances and my attitude follows suit until one day I changed my mindset, built up my knowledge, and put myself back into a financial position of power. And I started this podcast to provide you with the same education and advice that I received on my journey. Now, I want to help you master your money. Hello, welcome to today's episode. We are here with John Pearson. John is a financial planner and a financial services executive here at Barnum Financial Group. John also has been a CPA for almost 40 years and a financial advisor for 31 of those years. John helps people create financial strategies that are consistent with their life goals. Chief among those goals are retirement and helping fund their children's college education. Today, John and I are talking about all things student loans, but more specifically, we are going to talk about student loan, the forgiveness program. We're going to talk about alternatives to student loan forgiveness. And we're also going to talk about the suspension of the payment plan that was put in place due to COVID. So Mm -hmm. these are all some of the hottest topics that are being talked about when it comes to student loans. This is all over the media. People are reading things that are true, maybe things that are untrue. Mm -hmm. Some of it is very, very confusing. But luckily, we have John Pearson here who is going to tell us what is what. So, John, welcome to the show. Where should we start here? Well, I think the things that brought all these topics to the head here was the um, having to do with the Supreme Court and the proposals that Biden put out there that would have given up to $20,000 of student loan relief to, you know, literally hundreds of thousands, even millions of people. And that was struck down by the Supreme Court. And that was somewhere around six to eight weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And even since then, there have been so many other developments going on, a few of which you mentioned that have kept that topic up in the top of the media right now. So, you know, followed up with that was um, have things having to do with replacement proposals. Immediately after that was struck down, the Biden administration started talking about things that they're going to do instead or new ways that they're going to propose this all over again. And, you know, when we talk to a lot of our clients, they're already, you know, they've already got their antenna up about this and they're starting to say, well, geez, maybe I should just rather than do anything about this, maybe I should just wait for that to be forgiven. Um, but it, I, I, you know, I think that any program like that is going to have to end up going back to the Supreme Court anyway. What happened for what happened first, John? It, mm-hmm. Was it the suspension of the payments or was it the proposal for the forgiveness program? Well, the first thing that happened was the suspension of the payments back Correct. when COVID started. Yep. That was almost immediate back in March of yep. 2020. And those were for federal loans only. So yep. people who had student loans, let's say from a private bank mm-hmm or from some state agency, nothing really changed there for them. Mm -hmm. But the federal loan programs that a large majority of uh, young people and parents deal with were all suspended for a while with no interest accrual. Mm -hmm. But as of a couple of months ago, the announcement was made that 
those were going to start resuming on October 1st, which has gotten every, everybody kind of, you know, excited about, well, geez, how am I going to fit this into my budget? Right. Because they, they have been so used to, I'm sure most people just stopped payments altogether because you could have made You could have payments. made payments if you wanted you to. You could have kept it going as you were and paid down the principal. Most folks probably could not or mm-hmm. chose not to do that. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. And and in the midst of all that, to make things even a little bit more confusing at the restart, a lot of the student loan servicing companies that were out there taking care of these people before the COVID shutdown have all been replaced. So when people do resume their payments, all of a sudden they're going to be dealing with a new servicing agent in addition to having to resume payments. Now they have to talk to somebody new and say, well, Am I paying the right people? And you mean like a loan company when you say well, servicing agent, yeah, loan, you mean like, that companies are consolidating, they're they're merging or one is buying out another. Yeah, some people have dropped out of that business yes. and somebody else has replaced them. Yeah. So the first thing that I always have been telling people as these last couple of months have been going on is make sure you know who's servicing that loan and who to write that check to. Because if you start to send that check off to the wrong place, you could end up with a delinquency issue Mm -hmm. and all those things. So that's really number one one for people who have loans that they aren't going to try to have the payments adjusted by some other means, like an income-based repayment or something like that. Because most folks, again, March of 2020 said, okay, phew, this is one thing I do not have to worry about at this moment. Mm -hmm. Three mm-hmm. years go by. You haven't looked at this stuff. Right. Now come it's it's October, right? So no, no, no. I just want to clarify. September first is when interest starts accruing. The first check you'll write is actually going to be on October first. So people understand that that's you know a little different than saying things resume on a certain day. Interest starts pretty soon, okay. and and that's why when we're why we're out talking about this now, because this is an excellent opportunity to start to look at some of the the federal programs that are out there to help you reduce the amount of your monthly payment. Because there are some really generous programs out there that a lot of people, number one, don't know how they work. Number two, don't know whether they're eligible for them. Mm And, you know, they could even be in a situation where they're eligible for loan forgiveness. I'll I'll give you a brief example. I spoke to somebody maybe about a month ago who is a teacher at a private school. And she is in a situation right now where her loan payments are suspended on her federal loans, but she will have to restart them again. But she since she works for a what's called nonprofit organization. If she starts enrolling in something called an income-based or an income-driven repayment plan, even though her monthly payments might be minimal, after 10 years of working for a nonprofit organization, her loans will be forgiven no matter what the balance is. Oh, wow. Uh, But she thought that, well, see, I thought that was only for public school teachers. She's a private school teacher, sure, but it's a nonprofit organization, just like working for a state government Mm -hmm. would be deemed to be a nonprofit Mm -hmm. organization. Mm -hmm. But there are so many people because these programs are so complex. And so there's four or five different of these income based repayment plans that make navigating them very complex. If she did not come to you, how would she have known? Uh, 
Well, you, I, I don't know. It was purely by accident that it kind of came up because we were, I didn't even know she had any student loans when we first started the conversation. And, you know, she, she was referred to me by an, another person, not necessarily for student loan things, but because we encountered it along the way, they just, you know, it just kind of came out in conversation. I heard a story of another person you had helped who <clears throat> came to you for just this exact reason to help navigate this. And you were able to uncover for her that her employer, she worked for a university. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. One. Yes, yeah, yeah. that that. No, I don't know if that was part of a program through her employer, but that her employer paid part of that loan. Well, there there is some that's another area where there's some new news on that front, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. when you look back in some of the recent legislation that's gone through Congress, there is a program out there that is allowing employers to. In this case, there were two things that she could do. Number one, the school, the, the places she worked at would actually help with her student loan payments. OK, which she didn't know. Mm -hmm. And number two. Since that freed up money for her, that would allow her to put more money into retirement plans. Mm -hmm. What she didn't know is that that plan, in addition to matching her 401k contribution, would also put an employer match in <laughs> on the money she was paying on her student loan payments. Get out. So that was kind of a double win for her. That's right? a huge win. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of those ones when you hang up the phone book. I really did something good today. Yes, you know? absolutely. So, Talk about, make, you know, making your day, making somebody's day with one phone yeah, call. Yeah. So that was a really good, good, good experience for her and for me. Yeah. So is it possible, John, for people to know this on their own? Like there does not seem to be one central website or database or place people can go? Well, the, the Department of Education, when it comes to federal loans, the Department of Education has a good resource page besides helping people with filling out financial aid forms. There's a lot of good information about student loans, but people, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And, you know, they don't really know how far they're to dig in or whether some of this stuff ends up applying to them. And that's where just relying on the Department of Education website could be kind of an impediment. And there's so many different sources of loans out there. You know, when people start looking for student loans, you know, their main idea in their heads is, well, darn, I really hate to have to borrow money in the first place. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to have to borrow money, I might as well go to the least expensive interest rate because that's what we've all been trained to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just find the, the cheapest interest rate and go borrow money there if I can. So a lot of people don't really know what their options are, both for, um, you know, student loans by the federal government, private student loans, whether they should borrow against their house uh, if they have that ability to sure. do so, or maybe even borrow from a family member. So, sure. you know, there's to answer your question, there's really not a central website to be able to say, you know, pick from one from column A, yeah. one from column B, and this is the right path for you. Yeah. You know, so much of it is dependent on, um, you know, an individual's circumstances and, and you know, what their goals are for the child, what the child's going to be doing after they graduate uh, or what we hope they'll be doing because mm -hmm. no one really knows. But also, you know, how close the parents are, if they're going to help with all this, how close are they to retirement? Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of moving parts. A lot here. of considerations. You mentioned that there's federal programs. I think you said five or six federal programs mm -hmm. that can help reduce the payments that are starting. Right. Can right. you walk us through? 
Yeah. Yeah. They all have little acronyms. One's called the repay program. Mm -hmm. One's income-based repayment. There's an old income-based repayment and a Hmm. new income-based repayment. And the other one's called, has a name called repay, R-E-P-A-Y-E. And what those stand for, you've got me. Um, <laughs> but there's a new there's a new program that has just been put out by uh, the Biden administration, the Department of Education, called the SAVE yes. program, S-A-V-E. I see that one a lot. Yeah, that's one's, again, thinking of current headlines. That's one you're likely to see in the news cycle right now. Okay. And the uh, the common thread of all these is that What they're trying to do is to look at your current income situation and compare that with things like the the poverty line in your region of the country and say, well, if your income is below that, then you should really have no loan payments. And if it is above it, depending on how much it is above above it it and what your family size is, will determine what the maximum payment is you can afford. And then you have to go through this process every year to recertify. recertify. So see what your income is now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means linking to your tax return. But what a lot of people don't know is that the tax return can also be a moving target. So as an example, let's say it's a married couple Mm -hmm. and they both have a reason, you know, one has a really high income, but the one with a lot of student loans has a low income. Mm -hmm. If they were to put their joint return out to the Department of Education and look at that and you choose maybe the wrong payment plan, uh, their income, their payment could be so much higher than if they maybe filed their taxes separately and then looked at just her income and then took a percentage of that to say how much the loan payment would be. Yeah, you really need a strategy. Yeah, yeah. It really, really is a lot more complex than it should be. In order to study up on this, I went through a course for a, a, a certification called, a, if you can believe it, a certified student loan professional. Why, I would, be, I believe it, John. Why, why would there be, have to be <laughs> yes, you're right. a certified student loan professional? <laughs> you're right. There's no reason on this planet why somebody <laughs> like that should exist. But because there's so many. Well, congratulations of, on your recent certification. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> I, I still haven't quite passed the test yet. The test is really hard. Okay. But the curriculum, um, it just, it's like a mystery novel. You know, it's because there's so there's many so much, little. Clearly. Tw- there's so many so much. twists and turns here that you have to be aware of. Well, I love that though, <laughs> because I love to know that there's some governing board mm-hmm. making sure that there's great people like you out there helping well, so many folks get the right information. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they are a great resource for, for good background information and to talk about what's going on, you know, governmentally right now, that's the kind of background that you need in order to help people work with agencies like some of these servicing organizations. Mm-hmm. A lot of the loan servicers, you know, when you're looking for advice, you know, the folks who answer the phone at the other end, they're not going to be much help to mm-hmm. you. I mean, you're. You, they want forbearance or deference. They want to kind of move you in, in one bucket or another. But if you're like, no, I, and you want to apply for one of these programs. Yeah. They're not going to be able to. Advise it, it's you. kind of like going, you know, if you said if you had your money at a bank and you, you know, wanted financial advice, it'd be like going to the bank teller. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the bank teller is a wonderful person mm-hmm. and wonderful, but when it comes to they offering, have a specific job and role to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the same thing when it comes to the person who answers the phone. At the other end, they're probably not going to be able to give you a personalized direction. 
And unfortunately that for that person is probably where most people go. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it's just natural that that's, you know, no, that's a natural thought right. process. Absolutely. Right. John. So somebody who is maybe mid thirties, mm. they have a, a, you know, great career track. Mm. They're, they're, they're on their way up in the world. Maybe, you know, maybe not married yet, you know, maybe newly married, went to school, went to graduate school. So they, they're still paying off a boatload of loans. Mm. Yeah. Graduate school, especially, especially what should they do? Yeah. Walk us through what somebody all, you know, what a listener who's like, this could be me. What steps should they do? The first things they can do is, um, especially if they have federal loans, well, even if if they have private loans, is to inventory them. Okay. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. every loan is separate when it comes to the federal government side. So when you look at those graduate loans, and let's say you're in graduate school for three years, you, you could have three separate loans. Mm-hmm. For those, and mm-hmm. then plus your undergrad loans, mm-hmm. um, and then your private loans, and you may, you would treat those differently. The private loans, your main goal there is, if you can find a better interest rate, to look at refinancing and repackaging them or extending the the payment schedule. In your experience, how many loans does the average person have? How many service providers does the average person have? Uh, it, it really depends. If you're talking about the average person who graduated from four-year school, yeah, probably four-year. probably four to six. Yeah. All right. We talk about somebody from graduate school that could be over a dozen. That is insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to and a lot, and that's what makes the process so intimidating. Yes. Is that, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Intimidating and overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it makes it really hard to grapple, and that's why people say. Well, I got to make this easier. So they do what's called a consolidation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a good thing Mm -hmm. because it helps kind of makes it make it a little easier. Mm -hmm. But sometimes depending on how you consolidate or refinance, which may be with a private lender, if you go, if let's say you had a bunch of federal loans and then you go to a private lender, you know, a major bank Mm -hmm. or something like that and refinance them, all of a sudden your ability to utilize some of these federal discounting income driven repayment plans have been taken away. So in the name of simplification, you've maybe taken away a ton of options. And yeah. so that's the, just in the name, you know, you, 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 you don't, don't even, you, you know, you, you feel like you want to make your life easier. And in the process, you messed it up. Because you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. That's, that's what it is. Okay. So step one is we're going to inventory our loans, private <clears throat> versus federal. And for the private loans, we're going to see if we could refi and get that interest rate yeah. down. Yeah. Then the next step would be if you have the federal loans, um, then to look, you know, the Department of Education on their website does have kind of a light duty estimator as to how, how you could potentially benefit by some of these income driven repayments, okay. if, if at all. So that would probably be the first step. You know, it's not too hard to do. And it also takes the direct feed off the information you just took off their website okay. uh, because you should really download all your loan information from them. Okay. So go to the department of education. Is it like a calculator that's on there? That's exactly what it is. It's a calculator of some kind. Yes. Great. Yeah. So that would be the, and then kind of get a sense of what kind of savings is out there. Mm -hmm. But if you get a sense that, yeah, I could say, even though it might stretch out the term of my loan by five or 10 years, Mm -hmm. if I could save, I don't know, $1,200 or a thousand dollars a month, that might be worth it to me currently. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to at least start to make some reasonable decisions. And that's also where combining this work with taking your financial plan into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, that links 
And, you know, I, I always like to think of financial planning as kind of like a Rubik's cube. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look again, one side taxes, one side retirement, mm-hmm. one side borrowing. And if we can do something to help the side that's borrowing, that could allow us to do more on the retirement side yep. and so on and so forth. Yep. But it's analyzing that question. Yeah. What's what's better, shortening the term of the loan or extending the term of the loan, but saving money. Yeah. yeah. And as we always say on this show, it all depends. Yeah. It depends yeah. on your situation, your income, your cash flow, your objectives, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and what we generally find, just rule of thumb, is that if let's say you have an income of $75,000 and you have 20 or $30,000 of student loans doing the, um, you know, the income-based repayments, probably not going to work out for you. It'd mm-hmm. probably be better just to really address those loans and try get to pay them down. down. If we get someone like a graduate school person who maybe has uh, maybe a doctor or a dentist, somebody who has multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans, um, those people are going to even, especially in the early years of their career, um, where, you know, oftentimes we all think that, oh, when a dentist graduates after 10 years of college, they're going to walk right into a huge income job. Well, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So they might come out with an income of maybe 90 or 100,000 and have $400,000 of loans. And these are the type of people for whom knowing the path through this system would be especially helpful. Is there hope for people like that or people who are, you know, in in their 30s, possibly 40s, possibly mid 40s who are Mm -hmm. still paying off loans from graduate or undergraduate school who are making a good income supporting a family? Mm -hmm. So maybe they are kind of well above that poverty line. Mm-hmm. Is is there are there programs available that can assist those types of folks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those people who need, um, you know, need that kind of advice are the ones who don't necessarily have the hugest incomes, but have had to because of getting needed an advanced degree. As an example, we talk to a lot of teachers in this regard. Mm-hmm. Nearly every teacher I know is always reaching for a master's degree mm-hmm. at, the, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. That often requires, you know, them having seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Sure. When we look at school counselors, same thing. Mm-hmm. People who needed that advanced degree, but who maybe don't have the big, huge incomes right now. Okay, those are the people who really need that kind of help and direction to be able to deal with numbers. You know, and by doing a little bit of tax planning, like we talked about, the married separate yeah. situation they could really do themselves some good. Yeah. So it's not in anybody's best interest to assume this won't apply to them. No. no. To assume either they've had them for too long, to assume they uh, make too much money, to just make any of these assumptions. No. You you have to inventory, you have to go online, use a calculator, talk to somebody like you, John, Mm. I would imagine would be very helpful. Yeah. And have it not just be the students. There's a whole other category of debt out here called parent plus loans that a lot of these same principles can apply to. So as an example, um, if we look at a parent who's uh, in an article that I just wrote uh, here for Barnum, I put out an example of a family that has three kids headed off for school. They're going to have a, they anticipate that when all said and done, that they're going to have to borrow somewhere around $200,000, which, you know, sounds mortgage-like, you know. Mm-hmm. But when they look at it all, they, they, they will probably utilize, they'll say, well, 
let's go for the lowest interest rate because that's what I've always been trained to do. However, if they were to look at some of the federal programs, even though those have a higher interest rate, those higher interest rate programs could allow them to do the same things that their students might be able to do with some of these income-based repayments if they consolidate their loans properly. There's a technique out there called double consolidation that would allow them, let's say when you did some planning ahead of time, you pick the parent who had the lower income to be the one taking out the parent loans. And then once you start paying them back, let the file separately, have the lower income earning parent be the one whose income is measured against. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if that parent also happens to work for a nonprofit, better yet, you could could actually get some loan forgiveness. And the nice part about it is if you qualify for that, that loan forgiveness is not taxable. Because a lot of people forget that when they get these loans forgiven one day, they're going to have to write a tax check. Yes. Um, Again, another decision that has to be made up front, though, to your point. Are we doing a parent loan or are we going to put it in the student's name? Well, yeah, that's part of it. But even where to let's say the parents decide that they're going to take out the loan themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be looking at, well, I could go borrow from some state agency. I know here in Connecticut, we have a state agency that offers low interest loans Mm -hmm. for people who are Connecticut residents, Mm -hmm. as an example. Mm -hmm. Should I borrow there at 6%? Or should I go to this federal loan at 8%? And then you say, well, that seems like an easy answer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to the 6% one. However, that one does not have any of these the programs abilities available. to allow you to down the road, mm-hmm. bring your payments down to something that are that's affordable. Yep. So it's really it's stuff you really have to do up front. Yep. Wow. It's a lot to, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to know the, what I hear most just from my friend group, from the folks I'm around though, Mm -hmm. is just how overwhelming it is and Mm -hmm. how people just make the assumption that they make too much money, that they won't, that they won't, none of this is for me. None of this applies to me. I won't be able to take advantage of this. Yeah. That's what I hear. Mm. Well, well, that's, that gets back to the whole financial aid thing. You know, they just, you know, that they're in that category, which is a very big category of people that make too much money for the need-based financial aid, but for whom writing hundreds of thousands of dollars of checks out of their own money just isn't possible. Sure. And so that's what takes them back down this loan path. And then without any forethought, they just borrow money from whoever gives them what they think is the best deal. Yep. And that's the part that we're trying to educate people a little bit about by podcasts like this and mm-hmm. articles and so on. Yep. Cause it sounds like it's just not true or it may not be true. <clears throat> yeah. You, it, you may be eligible for things. Oh yeah. I very, think it's, yeah. it's, it's not safe to say it's an immediate no. Yeah. You have well, to yeah. look. Yeah. You have a lot of families around here that we know that have wide diversity of incomes within the family. And if you do have to borrow money, this, this plus loan situation that I described before could be a really good fit in that situation, even though the total household income might be four or five, six hundred thousand dollars. Yep. If five hundred of it comes from one and a hundred from the other, yep. it makes a difference. Yep. John, I'm curious on your thoughts on why the Supreme Court did not rule in favor. Oh, of the of the loan forgiveness. Of the loan forgiveness. Um, just I don't want to get I know I don't want to get too into uh, it, but I'm just, you know, you've been working in this field. You've dedicated your career to to understanding this field and understanding the loan process. So I don't know anyone who's more invested 
in, in legislation here than you. So I'm just curious. Well, you know, from my standpoint, I think the, um, you know, it was kind of reversed on the technicality more than anything else. Yeah. It was basically in my view and what I read, um, basically that the, uh, the Supreme Court said that the president doesn't have the power to do that. So just like in any good tax accountant who, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when you can't go in the front door, tries to get in through the window. Mm -hmm. Right now, the, you know, the federal government is going to plan B and say, well, well let's work out as something for another way to give that forgiveness that we really wanted to and give. And that's what they're doing. With and, these that's programs. What, and that's what they're doing with some of these programs, yeah. as well as. Um, you know, working with the Department of Education to do it what they think is the right way. But again, I think we're going to end up back in the Supreme Court again. So for any anybody who's waiting for loan forgiveness to help bail them out of this thing, um, don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. So start October or November. Know when your payments are going to start. Mm -hmm. Put it back in the budget. Yeah. And, yeah. and just get that going. And, yeah. And then start to think about whether you know, some of these other programs might apply to you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to go out and refinance a private loan right now at a lower interest mm -hmm. rate because of rates being up. Mm -hmm. You know, there's many of these private lenders out there that are easily getting, you know, six, seven, eight percent on these loans, yeah. whereas two or three years ago, they might have been half yeah. that. Yeah. You know, so refinance may not be an option right now. Yeah. But maybe in a couple of years, we can reexamine that issue for the private loans. Sure. But the federal loans, there are tons of options out there that okay. you really need to look at. All right. So we need to face facts. Yep. Get those payments going again. In the meantime, let's do our inventory, mm -hmm. refinance what we can, if we can, but mm -hmm. then look at some of these federal programs and see if you can catch a break. Yeah. And then and then take that money and then redirect it to something yes. more worthwhile. Yeah. You know, be other than debt service. Yeah. Maybe put it in your 401k or someplace else where it's gonna long term do you more good. Do you more good. Oh, that is great. This was <clears throat> wonderful. Thank you so much for clearing up a lot of myths and rumors that are out there. Thank you for simplifying this information as well as you did and for giving us um myself and the listeners what steps we need to take to hopefully save a little money here and take advantage of these programs. Such a pleasure having you on, John. Thank you again. No, it's great to have an opportunity to get this message out. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Master Your Money. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Every little bit helps. You can also follow us on our Instagram at Barnum Financial Group. If you're interested in connecting or working with a financial advisor at the Barnum Financial Group, the links are in the show notes of this episode. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203 513-6000.